25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Say, Vamar, 
Let's go, boy. 
חדשים, לא צריך לדאוג. שאלות בחיים שלא נותנות מנוח. מלחמות בעולם, לא צריך לדאוג. דאגות על המחר, קצת לא בטוח. השכנים מרעישים, לא צריך לדאוג. והלחץ בכבישים, אז תעצור לרגע. גם אם קשה לך, אל תעצור, תמשיך לרוץ. אם תיפול, אז תקום, לא קרה כלום. Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Yitzchak Fuchs. Shabbatot is the name of that selection. Itzik Dadya with Boi Vishalom Atanatova. That's Levi Cohen. 
Moshav band had Boi Vishalom, Lachadodi, that was Derech Achim, Yaakov Shweki Smechim, and Regesh with Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this January the 25th, day 19 in the month of Shvat, the year 5779. Tufshin Ayin Tess. Erev Shabbos Parshas Yisro with candle lighting time at 444 on this Erev Shabbos, 444. And as we say every year, Everybody in our audience is invited to the Parsha's Yisro Kiddush, that myself and the Nasi of the Mizrahi, and that uh, typically Seth Gordon all um, participate in. I don't know what Seth's story is. I don't think he's in town this week. Um, but anyway, everyone's invited. Come on down to the Mizrahi, Apollo Mizrahi, the Lower East Side. And enjoy what I'm sure will be a very, very nice Kiddush. Want to wish a Mazel Tov? Avramo Freed, his wonderful wife, Tzivia, to the Freed and Mus families, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. It was an absolutely fabulous and beautiful wedding last night in Crown Heights. Just beautiful. Really beautiful. And uh, to the uh, Hassan and Kala, the Chevi and Mayor, uh, we say Mazal Tov. And it was just, uh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to uh, celebrate with the family and friends of the uh, Freedom Mus Mishpachas. And, um, and we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, as I said, candlelighting in New York at 444 in this era of Shabbos. 34 degrees outside, mostly sunny at a high of 38. Clear skies tonight, low 22. Morning clouds, afternoon sun for Shabbos with a high of 34 degrees, 56 in Yerushalayim. We're at 34 here in New York as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Special hello to Atlanta, Georgia. Special hello to Atlanta, Georgia. We are down there next week. We're going to be focusing on some of the great Jewish communities of the southeast region of the United States, including, of course, our host city, Atlanta. All of the U.S. is pointed to Atlanta this week. As a matter of fact, you may uh, you may have heard that the Super Bowl is being played in Atlanta this week, meaning a week from Sunday. So this coming week, everyone's going to be paying attention to Atlanta, as will we. But we won't be focused on silly questions for football players. We'll be focused on great Jewish communities, wonderful people, great leaders, and, um, and of course, our little dose of fun as well. So get set. We'll be there um, starting Monday at the Young Israel of Toco Hills, Tuesday morning at the Atlanta Jewish Academy, Wednesday morning at Beth Jacobs Congregation, Beth Jacobs Congregation in Atlanta. We thank all the rabbis and leaders who are welcoming us. A lot of people very excited about the fact that we're in Atlanta. I got an amazing text from listener Danny last night (laughs) telling me about his connection to Atlanta. Just amazing. A lot of people connected to Atlanta. So we're getting set for Monday morning uh, and starting off those broadcasts. want to thank both Miriam Alwalik and Yoni Pollock working like crazy this week to schedule everybody. We have an unbelievably long and distinguished list of guests who are going to be joining us from different cities around the southeast region of the United States. Uh, in addition, and by the way, all of this starting Monday morning brought to you by the American Committee for Sharitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thank you, American Committee for Sharitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Uh, the OU, the Orthodox Union, Naftali Herman, has been working so hard for us 
to uh, make sure we, we include everybody in the programs while we're down there. Special thank you to um, Alan Fagan and Mike Spain. Takes a certain vision to understand why this is such a great week to present to the Jewish world. So I thank them very, very much. And uh, while we're down there, we will be joined by Mayor Kay and other distinguished guests because we're going to be recording a kosher halftime show down there. I don't think it's going to be your traditional kosher halftime show, but it'll be a kosher halftime show with wonderful entertainment for you to watch during the uh, half of Super Bowl 53 or any time you wish, frankly. So that's what's happening. Get ready, Atlanta. We are excited. Can't wait to see everybody down there and uh, and spread the word about JM and the AM. <laughs> our our rab- as we call him, our rabbi in Atlanta. Someone said to me last night, "Who's this rabbi who's always commenting on the app from Atlanta?" Well, we're going to meet him Tuesday at Atlanta Jewish Academy. He says it's 33 degrees in Atlanta. I noticed that, that the weather's basically going to be similar to what's uh, what it's like up here. Better bring my earmuffs. Uh, and he says, special hello back at you. Oh, yeah. Special hello this morning for Atlanta, and they respond in kind. So thank you, Atlanta. Thank you very, very much. Looking forward to the big trip. Um, Many of you are aware of the fact, we mentioned it late yesterday, that Mrs. Batya Weingast has passed away. Now, Mrs. Weingast, the dear mother of our dear and wonderful Matis Wine guest, who I've been privileged to have as a volunteer staff member for the last 35 years. We wouldn't be where we are without Matis, and um, this is not the time to thank him for that, but I wanted to note that as we remember his mother, who passed away at the age of 93, on on when, late Wednesday night, late Wednesday night yesterday, uh, the funeral took place. Um, a couple of people who we do not know, young men, came to the funeral in very, very difficult weather conditions yesterday and did a a tremendous chesed in, uh, in doing so much of the shoveling, frankly, in very muddy conditions. It was very, very difficult. So I thank them. I don't even know their names. I don't even know their names. But I do thank them. And um, it was a real chesed shalemis, a real chesed shalemis. To Matis Weingast, we, of course, extend our condolences on the loss of his dear mother. And I do remind everybody in this audience, most of you know, I think most of you do know, that Matis is such an integral part, not only of your Sunday, but uh, in addition to that, um, for the last 35 years, frankly, and really beyond that, but I don't want to get into that now. Um, so Matis is sitting Shiva at his home in Elizabeth, New Jersey. We are encouraging everybody to go visit him. Uh, Shiva will conclude on Wednesday morning. There are minyanim in the Shiva house, so you should feel free to uh, get the information from the Elizabeth community about the uh, Shachris Minchamarov times. And again, our condolences to Matis, and we uh, should only celebrate smachot, wonderful occasions together in the future. Bezrat Hashem. So that's the story. And again, we encourage everybody to go and uh, visit and to pay their uh, respects 
to the memory of Mrs. Weingast, Mrs. Batya Weingast, and of course, uh, with words of uh, comfort for our dear friend Matis Weingast. 20 minutes before 7 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, an hour away from the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin joins us from Israel today, which is pretty cool. It's all coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Okay,
Keep in mind the words our sages teach No, it's not our job to finish But we must attempt And even when it feels impossible We're still not
Friday morning, JM in the AM. That's Baruch Levine. Natan El Hershnik had Ami Yisrael Chai. You heard me, Mizrach Shemesh, Eitan Freilach. Ellie Marcus, who was brilliant last night at the um, at the Freed Must wedding. There he is with uh, Yishtabach here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Yes, we want to wish a Mazel Tov to last night's Chassan and Kala. What a beautiful and amazing wedding. Uh, Mayor Friedman, Chevy Mus, Mazal Tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. To the entire Mus uh, and Freed families, Avramel and Sivia and the entire Mishpacha, we say Mazal Tov. Just a beautiful and amazing wedding. Erev Shabbos Parshas Yisro with candle lighting at 444. It's a minute before 7 o'clock with 34 degrees. Mostly sunny, a high of 38. Malcolm Holmline joins us 40 minutes from now for the weekly update. Feel free to comment on the NSN app. Thank you to the rabbi down in Atlanta. Thank you to a listener, Kenny, in Atlanta for writing on our app this morning. Thank you to Trucker Yitz, who's out there. Wishes everyone a great Shabbos. Thanks, everybody, who's commenting on the NSN app. It's greatly appreciated. We head to Atlanta this coming Monday morning, 6 a.m., Young Israel of Toco Hills. That's where it all starts. Our Super Bowl week in Atlanta, Georgia, focused on all the great Jewish communities of the South. Not all, but a lot of the great Jewish communities of the South. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a great adventure. I hope all of you tune in all through the week for all of our special guests. We have a lot of people lined up, so I certainly hope you'll be there. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I mentioned earlier Mrs. Batya Weingast passed away on Wednesday night. Yesterday was the funeral. That's, of course, Matas' mother. Matas is sitting Shiva until Wednesday morning. And to anybody out there who would go visit, of course, or be in touch with Matas would be greatly appreciated. He's sitting Shiva at his home in Elizabeth, New Jersey. There are minion times. You can check that out with the Elizabeth community. And if you need any information, Nahum at NahumSiegel.com, Nahum N A. C-H-U-M at Nahum Siegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. Matis, you normally host JM Sunday, of course. Avrami will sit in for him this coming Sunday, and we thank Avrami in advance. We should all celebrate Smachot together. Again, Matis Wangas sitting Shiva for his mother until Wednesday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. News from Israel is coming up and plenty more on a Friday. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן שיר הדס מאיר עם מה שקורה עכשיו. היועץ הפוליטי האמריקני רוג'ר סטון, מקורבו של הנשיא דונלד טראמפ, נעצר על ידי ה-FBI בפלורידה ויועמד לדין במסגרת חקירות הנשיא. התובע המיוחד בחקירת המעורבות הרוסית, רוברט מולר, הודיע שסטון חשוד בשבע עבירות שונות של שיבוש הליכי חקירה. השליח הקטרי לרצועת עזה, מוחמד אל-עמאדי, מכנס בשעה זו מסיבת עיתונאים בעקבות סירוב החמאס לקבל את כספי המענק. בשעות הבוקר פועלים מתווכים שונים להשגת רגיעה ברצועה בשל הזעם בחמאס לאחר שישראל הציבה תנאים חדשים למשלוח הדולרים. כתבנו הצבאי צחי דבוש מוסר כי בישראל נערכים להידרדרות ביטחונית בגזרת עזה וחיילי צה"ל פרוסים בכוחות מתוגברים לקראת המהומות על גדר המערכת. 
שגרירת אירלנד זומנה הבוקר לשיחת נזיפה במשרד החוץ בעקבות חקיקת חוק החרם על מוצרים מיהודה ושומרון. ממשרד החוץ נמסר כי לשגרירה הובהר שלחקיקה הצבועה והאנטישמית יהיו השלכות קשות על יחסי ישראל-אירלנד במידה ותקודם. מוטב שאירלנד תתעסק בדיקטטורות ותנועות טרור חשוכות במקום בישראל, לשון ההודעה. תחזית מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, היום תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות, מחר צפויה עלייה קלה, ומשעות הערב ייתכנו ממטרים מקומיים בדרום הערבה, דרום הנגב ובאילת. ולסיום, בר רפאלי, ארז טל, אסי עזר ולוסי איוב נבחרו להנחות את האירוויזיון בישראל. למרות שמועמדותה של רפאלי הוטלה בספק לנוכח חקירותיה בדבר העלמות מס, איגוד השידור האירופי אישר היום את ארבעת המנחים הישראלים. כתבנו יואב אונגר מוסיף כי בחודשים האחרונים הוזכרו מועמדים רבים להנחיית גמר התחרות במאי, בהם השחקניות גל גדות וכוכבת המפץ הגדול, מים ביאליק. אלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת יתרו. בירושלים ב-4.31, בתל אביב כניסת השבת ב-4.45, בחיפה ב-4.35, בבאר שבע ב-4.49. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים 5.46, בתל אביב 5.47, בחיפה 4.46, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בערב ב-5.49. אלה החדשות שעורכת מיכל צ'ין. If I seem a little distant with a twinkle in my eye there's a very special reason you will find today is on a Tuesday and the kids learn olive base and you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. Yes, I walk against the many as they're groping in the night And I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme And the boys are now bar mitzvah and Wednesday night is here And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind Thursday sees a chuppah And the weather is getting cold And the Torah scroll is turning And we are growing old And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday morning sunrise No time to mess around I'm the old man who dovin' right on time And your prayers get more sincere As old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind And there is no deception Cause he knows just who you are A hunger to be holy While feeling very far And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind 
my mind It's a Friday evening sunset No time to mess around I'm the old man who dovin right on time And your prayers get more sincere When old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos You know I got Shabbos on my mind
You know where that comes from? Who out there remembers that song? We've been uh, we've been asked um, on many occasions recently to play some oldies. That is an oldie but goodie from the early 1980s with Kesher called Vinetmar off the very first Kesher album here at JM in the AM. It's pretty remarkable, I must say. Shim Kramer had Aisha Kyle. You heard Moshe Yes and Shabbos on my mind. JM the AM Friday at 16 minutes after the hour. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Holmline coming up. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll talk about the uh, weekly update and the news of the week starting at uh, 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin is from Israel today. Rabbi Yudin is going to speak to us about Parshas Yisro from Israel. That's pretty cool. Candle lighting at 4.44 on this era of Shabbos. 4.44. I mentioned earlier that Matis Weingast is sitting Shiva now. Uh, Mrs. Batya Weingast, uh, Matis's mother, passed away on Wednesday night. And uh, he is sitting Shiva, in fact, until Wednesday morning of next week. And anybody out there in the Elizabeth area, um, if you'd like to pay a Shiva call, certainly welcome. If you'd like to participate in Shachris or Mincha Mariv, uh, contact us for details. If you'd like them, Nachum at NachumSiegel.com, Nachum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at NachumSiegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. And we will uh, give you whatever details we have. And we encourage everybody, of course, to uh, pay their respects. And um, Matis, who's been such an integral part of this network for 35 years, frankly, uh, he and his family should only celebrate Smachot. We should have the opportunity to celebrate them together in the future. JM and the AM with 34 degrees, mostly sunny, a high of 38. We head to Atlanta this weekend on Monday morning, Young Israel of Toco Hills is where we'll be for JM and the AM. Make sure to join us, everybody. It'll be an amazing adventure down to Atlanta. Thank you to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thank you to the Orthodox Union. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm for again presenting our kosher halftime show. They get it. They get it. That an alternative to the uh, standard halftime show is needed, not just as a production for people to have fun and watch it, or watch it and have fun, but uh, also as a statement, as a statement that uh, sometimes you just need need something that's kosher, nice, family-friendly. So thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and all of our great uh, commercial sponsors, Kosher Halftime Show. Mayor Kay is going to be with us in Atlanta. Who knows what he has up his sleeve? We will be recording the show with him down there. And, of course, as you know, we'll be broadcasting from there all through the uh, – all through the week, make sure to join us. We have an entire amazing list of guests. Uh, thank you to both Miriam Al-Wallach and Yoni Pollock, who have been working all week on the schedule. We are so packed, so jammed with guests. Um, it's going to be amazing. So join us starting Monday morning from Atlanta, one of the capitals of the Jewish South, as we broadcast JM in the AM and other things as well. We'll be at the Spicy Peach with Naomi Nachman. Naomi Nachman is going to be at the Spicy Peach um, doing a show from there. Miriam L. Wallach has a show planned that you'll hear on Thursday of next week during the day. She has that show planned um, uh, for this week in Atlanta. So a lot going on, plenty happening. So get ready to enjoy. Make sure to be tuned in on Monday morning. It's JM in the AM with Eitan Freilich.
in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at J.M. in the a.m. Schwebel, Sharf, and Levine with the uh, Mayadidus um, off of the album The Pintalia. That goes back a while. It's another oldie but goodie. We've actually been playing that a couple of weeks in a row on our Friday morning broadcast. Ari Goldwag with Moshe. You heard Eitan Freilich in there with Yomze. Off the album, Peace Will Come. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Yisro with candle lighting at 444 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. I thank all of you for listening from around the world and for commenting on the NSN app. The Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone gives you a chance to comment. The clients say when you're in Atlanta, if you need directions to the young Israel, you know it's between these two streets. Yes, we know about those two streets. <laughs> 
If you look at the app, you'll see what the clients are saying about Atlanta and the young Israel. Uh, listener Nahum says Matas should only have Simchas from now on. Amen. Again, Matas wine guest, our very own host of JM Sunday and a longtime volunteer staff member for three and a half decades for JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. He lost his mother. Uh, Mrs. Batya Weingast passed away on Wednesday night. Matas is sitting Shiva as we speak until Wednesday morning of next week. Those of you who would like to pay a Shiva call or be in touch with Matas, you could certainly be in touch with us regarding the information. Or if you're familiar with the Elizabeth Jewish community, certainly people there can direct you to where Matas is sitting Shiva and when the Minyanam are, etc., etc. And we do, in fact, wish him and the entire Weingast family only smachot in the future. Um, so there you have it. That is the information regarding uh, the Weingast family. Uh, on the subject of Simchas, a mazel tov going out to Avramel, Avram Freed, his wife Tzivya, the entire Freed and Muss families, as uh, last night at Lubavitch World Headquarters, we celebrated the wedding of Chevy and Mayer, and it was an absolutely beautiful and wonderful wedding. It was just just amazing. So mazel tov to, uh, to both mishpachas from all of us here at JMNM. It was such a delight dancing with Avramel and participating in the Simcha. Mazal tov, mazal tov. Oh, listener Terry's on the app. She says Shabbat Shalom and regards from Judy Grossman. Just saw her in Ramot. I think Judy lives in Ramot. Nice. Thank you, Terry. And Shabbat Shalom to you. And thanks for listening. And spread the word. Let everyone around the world know this is the best place for the best Jewish programming. Speaking of best Jewish programming, don't forget. Well, first of all, Informatis on Sunday will be Avrami. Thank you, Avrami, who's sitting in Informatis as he sits Shiva. Uh, so Matis' JM Sunday continues live with Avrami this coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. On Monday, we broadcast JM in the AM from Atlanta. We'll be at the Unusual of Toco Hills. We have an entire week of programming from Atlanta scheduled with a lot of special guests. A lot, I mean, it's a jam-packed show that's going to concentrate in Atlanta and the communities of the Southeast United States. Thank you to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thank you to the Orthodox Union. We will be recording with Mayor Kay, Kosher Halftime Show 2019. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and all of our commercial sponsors. Uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm again presenting our amazing Kosher Halftime Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's all happening down in Atlanta. It should be a fun week, an interesting week, and the one which I hope you'll uh, tune in and pay careful attention to. We have a lot of great stuff coming up. Atlanta, Georgia next week. And listener Danny, listener Danny sent me a great email last night about his connection to the Atlanta community, about his connection to Sammy Kay's family, because Sammy's going to be part of our kosher halftime show down there. And it was great. And he'll be there, of course, next Shabbos, but we will have left already. Uh, so to listener Danny and the entire Frank family, uh, you're just another Baruch Hashem, wonderful family connected to the city of Atlanta. Thank you so much for letting us know. And for all the good wishes, he sent me a phenomenal text last night, very late last night. So thank you to listener Danny and the entire Frank family from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, minutes away with the weekly update. Keep it here at JM in the AM. Hallelujah, it's a 
Yeah, that's who you think it is. Avremo! <laughs> Last night it was amazing celebrating with Avremo and Sivia and the entire Freed and Mus families as Mayer and Chevy got married at 770. It was wonderful to be there. It was great to dance with Avremo. And there he is with Samach off the album Bring the House Down. Friday morning on the Sarah Shabbos Parsha's Yisro, candle lighting at 444 in New York. On this era of Shabbos, thank you to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. The Orthodox Union, they are sponsoring our broadcast from Atlanta, which begin on Monday morning. Oh, yes. Monday morning, it all starts. 6 a.m. The whole country's focused on Atlanta until this uh, football game ends on February the 3rd. And we're focused on Atlanta for an even more important reason. So we can uh, talk about the American, the amazing community that it is and the surrounding southeastern Jewish communities. And we have a full schedule with a lot of guests all through the week. Very much looking forward to it. A thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. They're going to be presenting our Kosher Halftime Show again, which we are going to be uh, recording down in Atlanta. At least that's what Mayor Kay tells us. <laughs> I saw him last night. Boy, his head is filled with ideas. It's amazing. Uh, anyways, that's all happening next week. Make sure to pay careful attention. Avrami's in for Matis on Sunday. JM Sunday will continue its live streak as Matis sits Shiva, as we mentioned, for his uh, mother. Avrami will sit in JM Sunday between 7 and 9 uh, Eastern times. So make sure to check that out. Friday morning broadcast here at JM and AM. A reminder that uh, our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have thousands of articles for you to print out before Shabbos. And read about Israel in the Jewish world. Check them out, jewishworldreview.com. 
And a reminder that Malcolm Holmline, who is about to join us, is going to be spending Pesach with his family in beautiful Puerto Vallarta. Um, yeah, I didn't even know how to spell it until I went to the website and stumbled upon it. Uh, you can uh, call this number for information about spending Pesach 2019 in beautiful Puerto Vallarta. 786-290-5919. That's 786-290-5919. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Nachum. So it seems... It's thank you. It seems despite all of his efforts and and we have seen very, you know, up close and personal, we've seen some very public sincere uh well, maybe sincere is the wrong word. Uh, we've seen some real effort despite all of his efforts. It seems Prime Minister Netanyahu is likely not going to be able to avoid um some type of indictment and charges in the next couple of weeks. That's the that's the way it sounds. Is is it just the Israeli media? with wishful thinking, or do you think this is going to come down like this before the election? Well, the indications certainly are that the uh, Attorney General intends to move ahead, and uh, Netanyahu's lawyers have tried to press that this should be done after the election. He himself has said that it's, uh, you know, it'll distort the process, whatever, and obviously he doesn't want to have this hanging over him, and, and uh, some of the polls show that he would lose maybe three, four mandates uh, in in the Knesset, if uh, if he's indicted, uh, people even in Likud have, have some have said that they should that he would should be required to step down. Although the vast majority uh, say that that is not the case. If he's convicted, yes, but not if he's indicted. Indictment is not a conviction. Everybody should remember. And many people who, who have been indicted have not been convicted. But it will obviously be a, a hanging over him, and um, the people. The expectation is that it'll come down in February. Wow! Maybe in two, three weeks. Uh, so it's uh, you know it's another factor in a, what has otherwise not been a, a heavily contested, hotly contested yet election. It's no. heavily contested with a lot of parties and a lot of people moving between parties and. Being dropped from um, from positions in the Knesset, right. although some public forum are making efforts to try to make it a hotly contested election, yes, exactly, <laughs> including the New York Times. Uh, you saw that the uh, the Ethiopian Jewish community. I hope that was politically correct the way I put that. Uh, are being represented uh, with their own party now in the Knesset, or not in the Knesset? Their own party in the election process. Yes, yeah, so they have members, and the Gusi is the uh, in fact has been a long term member. And is chairman of the immigration, I think, in uh, Alian Klitak committee. Uh, there are others who are um, in the Knesset and, and occupying other positions. It's it's a success story to a large degree. It's a quiet success story. People don't you know, write about it uh, so much. But the uh, the fact is, the Ethiopian community is emerging on its own now. After as is usually the pattern. Uh, that sociologists uh, determine, you know, when you have immigrant populations, it takes time till they emerge on their own and and have the confidence and the ability to to field their own candidates. But there are many who have achieved a lot, and uh, it'll be interesting to see 
whether they they sustain it as an independent party or do they merge, there will be a lot of jockeying around amongst these parties, and you'll hear a lot about all the negotiations because any time any two people are seen in a coffee shop having coffee, there will be talk about them merging yeah. their parties or working together. Uh, th- this may not be really for now because there's so many news items we have to get to, but you did mention it. I'm so curious. I mean, has, has I mean, someone must have done an analysis on the Russian Jewish community in Israel and its influence regarding the electoral process, uh, the Ethiopian, as you just mentioned, North American, which frankly, you know, from this vantage point, I always thought was rather significant. But if you ask North American Jews living in Israel, they'll argue that it's rather insignificant for a people that's been represented, you know, in the uh, greater Israeli community for these many decades. Um, any rhyme or reason to it, and any any anything that determines or or would be a contributing factor to when an immigrant group really succeeds electorally, and when others, you know, take so many years to really gain their footing. Well, first of all, there's also tradition, and Americans don't don't have this tradition. We have two parties, right. um, and we uh, they integrate into Israeli society, and they are part of every party. There are American Olim who are uh, occupying key positions and have in, in the Knesset list. Actually, I think it'll, it'll be down uh, this year. Um, uh, Doran Schmielman was supposed to run, but I see he, he's not. So um, I think it's because they they don't um, organize as a community, as do these other groups. And the uh, the Russians had their party with Lieberman. That right. was a Russian uh, Jewish party. And they too now are their candidates to be found in all the different lists. And Lieberman's party, it's rumored, may not even make the cut. You know, the, the threshold. So as they integrate more into society, they they assume positions, but in the more universal rather than in a separate party. All right, last last thing for now about the election. If there is an indictment, and let's say it's in February, as you somewhat predicted. Um, it, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in this country certainly, you know, countless times. There, there are times when people really abandon the candidate in that type of situation. And there are times when the the numbers barely fluctuate. It's there, I, I would even argue there are times when the candidate seems strengthened. <laughs> you know, at least in, numerically in terms of the, in terms of the polls, in terms of support. Any idea how this would go? Would the, I mean the way he's fighting? The prime minister, the way he's fighting right now, you'd think that he's worried he's going to lose, you know, fifty percent of his support. Look, I think the um, that the the, the the hey, there's no predictability, but you know, it also depends on what's happening in the general election, in uh, overall election process. Is anybody er, er offering an alternative for them? Are they emerging? Uh, you know, is, are the parties merging and uh, the opposition able to unite in any way that would um, give them? Um, the, put them in position to be able to be a lead party. Right now, that does not uh, appear, and there's always the first flush. But then, once I think an indictment, the issue will be quiet until the election. They're right. not going to prosecute but, it. They're not going to, you know, start holding additional hearings. Remember, he's been questioned right. so many times already. There's no clear alternative right now to Netanyahu in terms of someone being able That's to form point. to form a government. He's worried that if this continues the way it does and the media jumps all over it the way they will, the way we know they will, he's worried that a, a an alternate an alternate will 
will somehow you know be produced. They'll be or the defections from his own party, and that that would reduce their number. Right. Even if somebody else doesn't emerge as a as a candidate on their own, it's it's the fact that he'll have defections, and that people people are tired of all these investigations and stuff, and the overly obviously that it that it has, and so it also depends which case he's indicted on. I don't think it's going to be about the champagne and, and the um, cigars. I think it's going to be probably Bezek or, you know, where they have a more substantive content in terms of the charges. The attorney general is a serious guy, Mandelblit, appointed by Netanyahu, close to, was cabinet secretary in the Netanyahu. Uh, this is not on, in any way uh, vengeance on his part because he was a strong supporter of him. Uh, uh, so, you know, he, his, his integrity can't be challenged that he's trying to manipulate this politically. What happened on uh, Mount Hermon this past weekend? So this is a, a very important story, and it has a lot of ramifications that the Iranians fired a missile from Syria to, towards Mount Hermon that was intercepted, and there were, of course, hundreds of people skiing there, but the, this is something that wasn't just an immediate response to the fact that Israel carried out uh, additional raids into uh, Syria, very effective ones that hit, hit major depots that, uh, where Iran had um, secreted weapons, large numbers of weapons, and uh, also hit um, a number of the missile sites there afterwards, the SA, SA-2, SA-3, SA-17, the more modern uh, sites. Uh, more modern weapons, actually, and this, despite you know some of the comments of uh, from Russia warning them, and again they issued another warning saying that against these arbitrary strikes, as they called it, they're anything but uh, arbitrary. And the um, there are, there's a lot of speculation about why did Iran fire it, and, and the. Uh, there are people who link it to a visit by Suleimani, the head of the IRGC Quds Brigade, that he had been uh, the day before within minutes of the place, and in fact within the 40 kilometer, uh, 40 kilometers of the Israeli border on the Golan, which is a violation of the understanding with U.S., Russia, and Israel that uh, Iranian forces would all be kept uh, outside of a 50 kilometer or 60 kilometers of the Israeli border. Uh, uh, Suleimani is the guy who has organized in in Syria and is uh, the leader in, in terms of um, fronting for Iran and, and organizing with Hezbollah and in Syria. So there were a couple of things. Israel was sending a message that they are not going to be deterred, even with the Iranian with the Russian warnings, that they're going to continue to go after any of the supplies that are shipped by Iran. Um, they, they, this is a red line they can't allow to uh, to be crossed. They're getting more and more sophisticated weapon, and if they set up plants, as the, we saw in Beirut, the pictures at the airport of a plant to add precision guidance systems to their mis- to the missiles they already have, that that is no longer functioning according to the the reports. So the the Israel's strikes were very effective and widespread. Uh, and well publicized, area. and well publicized. 
and publicized. Well publicized. In part, <laughs> yeah. maybe, because they want to send a message to the Iranians, but also that there's a belief that the Iranian people, certainly, and the, and even maybe the Iranian leadership, don't know the true extent right. of the damage that is being done. You know, you mentioned this last week. It, it's so hard not to be skeptical, because it's, it seems to be a new innovation in the Israeli uh, approach. You know, you, a, this is all speculative, because we don't know. They don't uh, issue statements uh, saying it, but the the uh, and and more skeptical voices say, well, it's for the political season, and right. Netanyahu is, is issuing it. But Eisenkot, who was retiring, uh, gave made the statement about the two thousand bombs that they dropped. Uh, I think you know, and again, skeptical voices will say, well, he did it because he's trying to establish his own bona fides as he's uh, uh, stepping down. Uh, by the way, the reports also you know that the Russians had given advance notice to the Iranians, 37 minutes advance notice, which they had received from Israel, about the sites that are going to be struck because Israel has the understanding with Russia, and they don't want to have any Russians, you know, at the sites uh, if they are if they happen to be present there. So the, um, there's so much speculation and there's so many rumors and uh, and it was all done. There's always elements of truth even to. Though it may be a rumen, and it's all the 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 westward rockets were all done with with Syrian blessing, correct? I mean, they they, they I mean, the the question is to the average guy like me is basically who's running that region right now? Mm-hmm. Russia would like you to believe they are, but I would assume Iran did what they did this week completely against Russia's interests. My question is: Is it the same with Syria? Would Syria prefer they remain quiet as well, or this was done with Syria's blessing? So the the it's again a complicated answer because if you look what Iran has done in the area between Damascus and Lebanon, they've built thousands and thousands of units for housing. They're right. replacing the Shiite population, the Sunni population with Shiites. They are converting Shiite they're Sunnis. They're recruiting them to the Shiite militia. They pay them two hundred dollars a month, and that's enough uh, to to win them over. And they are trying to change both demographics and the the presence. They are building military outposts throughout the region. They um, have w- weapon be- depots, and that's what Israel um, uh, targeted. They, they are they are not only uh, claiming the role, but they're changing the facts on the ground uh, in in the, these uh, key areas. So Iran's involvement is is factually. Um, uh, established and the the role that they played in 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 supporting like Hezbollah, it's come out that that Iran is spending about seven billion dollars in the region on on supporting of terrorist groups, and four billion in Syria, a billion in Lebanon, uh, seventy million with Islamic Jihad, fifty million with Hamas, uh, hundreds of millions for the Shiite militia in in um, in Iraq. And uh, by the way, the, and the target, is, it's a, uh, believe this next target is the West Bank, which they want to create as a fourth front, you know, with Hezbollah, with Hamas, Hezbollah, Syria, and the West Bank would be a fourth, um, a fourth front for against uh, Israel. And the the bases that they're building have two purposes, one of which is to get as close as possible to the Israeli border to be able to carry out cross-border raids, as well as to establish their own military presence and dominance. And so they're not going anywhere. They're staying where they are in, in Syria. Right. 
And while the U.S. and others couldn't say we're going to withdraw, we're not going to withdraw until the Iranians are out. Iranians are going to be there for a long time. So uh, the alliance with Iran is too important to Syria uh, to express any disdain for their activities on the border. Would that be a good way of saying it? Because what you just described, it, it seems like Syria, for their interest, needs Iran to to set up all these. Uh, you know, uh, satellite locations in order to, uh, uh, in the future, I guess, their hope is to attack Israel, et cetera, right? I mean, that would, and that is most important to Syria compared to everything else. Well, the Syrians, and I know from Assad, do not trust the Iranians. They, they had closed down their mitrashas, which are now being reestablished in these areas, and they've converted many mosques and built many new mosques in, in a Shite mosques and schools and, and indoctrination centers. Um, and uh, so that that's one factor. Second, he is focused on the battle and trying to take over as much of Syria as possible. And in that regard, Iran is, a, is an ally for uh, Assad and the Syrian forces. Uh, Russia can't be comfortable with the idea of Iran uh, establishing itself in this way and taking over greater and greater swaths of area. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it serves their purposes. They don't have the troops uh, on, on the ground, and the real bottom line is that Iran gets away with it. Right. Look at look at, at the announcements by uh, Ali Akbar Salehi this week, uh, the head of their nuclear program, where he acknowledges publicly that they did not um, uh, destroy their nuclear production infrastructure that he, he says it was photoshopped uh, and that uh, they didn't pour cement into it. But more importantly, is that they bought replacement parts knowing that they were going to reestablish it and, and they were just doing this to put the pressure on to get the JCPOA uh, done. Mm. Now, is he manipulating and, and lying? It's very possible. Oh, because, again, he also wants to say certain things to his people, right? That that is true, right. but but this is a pretty blatant thing when it comes from right. somebody who's the head of the of the nuclear um, uh, program, and you know, and Israel has its own strategies in in this area. Remember that Israel has to be concerned about the precision units, for instance, for the missiles, because their electricity sites, their water desalination, all of these things are ultimately uh, vulnerable. And if they, if they fire a lot of them and they manage to penetrate the Israeli defense systems, uh, then they could cause serious damage. And by the way, the, the, one of the interesting things is that the Arrow 3 was successfully tested in in the Mediterranean, and now it's in the Kodiak region in Alaska because the next test is going to be, a, a jointly with America, a test against um what would be an Iranian ballistic missile? What's its capability? It's a much larger, and they needed a bigger area. What's so its uh, it. What's its capability compared to its predecessors? The Arrow Three. Mm-hmm. It's greater, greater, um, a greater uh, variety of targets that it can hit, and and each one serves a different purpose. David Sling, Iron Dome, and um, the Arrow Three, and each one is used in specific circumstances. One when you have longer areas. But the Arrow 3 will, will have greater uh, mobility, greater ability uh, in terms of uh, bringing down um, these long-range missiles and larger missiles. And the, obviously the United States and Israel have been working on it for a long time. It was, as I said, a successful test. There's been several uh, indicating that it, it really does work. And also the different missiles uh, hit at different places. So some, and the goal is to get as close to the launch site 
as possible. And I think Arrow 3 gives them a greater ability in that regard also. <sighs> Unbelievable. I, I know I always say this, but I mean, tell, tell our uh, ancestors of 100 years ago. Don't even, you don't have to go back further than that. First of all, tell them that there is a state of Israel. It'll take them a while to get used to that idea. And then tell them that Israel has the capability that it has. Just unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com. On the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We're off to Atlanta. The broadcasts start Monday morning at the Young Israel of Toco Hills as the NFL and the U.S. focus on Atlanta for a, uh, for a game taking place a week from Sunday. We'll be there focused on the wonderful Jewish communities of the Southeast. With a big thank you to the American Committee for Sharetzetic Medical Center in Jerusalem and the Orthodox Union. Make sure to be tuned in all week long. Bad week for us anti-BDSers, huh, Malcolm? Well, it's a, a bad week in some respects, and um, especially what's happened in Ireland where they passed this legislation. Uh, we don't know yet if it will be implemented, but certainly the fact that it passed the, the both houses and it, it would impose even criminal sanctions for people who trade or do business with the uh, uh, West Bank, and it also puts Irish companies now in jeopardy. Wow. Uh, for violating American law if they, in fact, comply uh, with it. So, it's, you know, these are complicated. We've also seen around the country more and more initiatives uh, on the BDS front. And the uh, fact that the, the revelations that the EU, the European Union, gave $5.7 million last year to pro-BDS uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, and that's in addition to what the individual states have given. Uh, Germany and others are being uh, implicated publicly now in funding to organizations that have advocated the BDS uh, movement. And then we also saw a member of Congress publicly associating with it and, and supporting it. Uh, it we, we had a meeting this week of uh, most of the organizations who are working on this front, and uh, with that we convened, and this is in advance of what we, we think will be a major event in March, where we will have all the organizations. Um, this, this was really a planning session, but what we heard in terms of the reports from around the country, what goes on campuses like NYU and Columbia, the hostile atmosphere, the inability of Jewish students to wear Jewish symbols publicly, the administration's not standing up to defend the rights that a student can be told at NYU that they buy a teacher not to take the course because the Arab students don't feel safe having a Zionist in in the room, and that the administrations don't act against these kind of um, uh, activities and actions. It just, I mean, just imagine if an, a, a person of, a, of another faith or something had been subjected to these things. So we have lawyers. We're suing. We're doing all that we can to protect the rights of Jewish students, but it's a massive undertaking, and it's only going to be successful when we have a unified effort. The truth is we beat BDS on most campuses where the students there do, um, and administrations don't implement it. But the, the fact that, that we're seeing increased hostility, I was in San Francisco this week to speak, and I met parents who told us that their kids had to leave the campuses they were, um, uh, where they were going to school, and they moved back uh, because uh, of the hostility that they encountered. 
and yet we're involved in a massive lawsuit against the San Francisco State University, we meaning the Jewish community, the Jewish students against the um, inhibition against and the riots that took place against the speakers, Michael Oren, uh, Sharansky, others who came there to, to speak. And the university's uh, response was far from uh, adequate. In fact, was supportive uh, of those activities and denigrated the rights of Jewish students. And we should give a, a shout out to uh, Winton Thermdis, the law firm that has already spent millions of dollars pro bono work to to uh, in this case, which hopefully will come to some fruition in the coming months. Most of the people listening, I don't think, understand how severe a situation it is. You know what? I don't. As much as I follow it every day, and that we fight it on every level. When I sat there and listened to the reports from the from all the organizations from uh, who were sitting around the table, hearing the tremendous amount of activity and positive activity, and we hope to be able to, you know, coordinate it better so that we can, we can maximize the use of the resources that are available. But when when you hear it and the and the firsthand testimonies of students and and what they're encountering and the the increased number of incidents and the in, intensity and now the movement out off the campus by BDS with a focus on city councils around the United States and elsewhere this is you know stuff that we saw in Europe and I keep saying that we always should watch what happens in Europe because it's a barometer for what's going to happen here next. And and that is true. We see it now in the political realm, and we, we see it in this effort to move uh, BDS uh, against companies, um, Airbnb still being a, fine, uh, a case, and I hope everybody has written them and told them that they're not going to do business. And now that uh, Airbnb is going after other areas, they said, in uh, in Georgia, the, the country Georgia, South Ossetia, uh, but it still has it has nothing to do uh, with the problem with what they've done delisting just a couple hundred places in and in, in uh, uh, Judea and Samaria. But they didn't do it against the Arabs in these other areas. They're they're just stopping to do business with anybody. The discriminatory nature of what they've done in in Yudin Shomron and regarding it's it's not Israel itself. They continue to do business, but it is a purely discriminatory measure. And uh, they have to continue to feel the pressure and the heat from the community, uh, and the hopefully there will be other remedies, and that they will be found to be in violation uh, in support, essentially, of the anti boycott, uh, in violation of the anti boycott laws that we have here in the United States. On the state level, who was it? Was it Arkansas? I forget already. Who, who was um, hiding? I don't know. If hiding behind is the right expression, but who had said it was a First Amendment issue? I, I think there I, was a case in Texas. Was Texas? I, I, they had a case in Texas, but the attorney generals and others have come out very strongly. And the um, you know there can be an application. BDS legislation is not intended to stop individuals from their right to, to be able to say things. BDS, and that's why it's not a free speech issue, which is the way that the opponents now are trying to fight it. Um, and and you know some of those, including certain members of Congress, have, have spoken against the legislation in Congress, even though it was changed to to um, address that concern. This is not about individuals' rights. This is about boycotting businesses. This is about the BDS movement, which is the one that is really violating the rights of people, denying Jews the status of others, fomenting anti-Semitism, uh, and, and has to be fought with with every ounce of energy. Because it sets a precedent, because 
it uh, you know it finds itself in a world that is too indifferent and too complacent about a lot of these uh, concerns. Right, but if it ever did go to this Supreme Court as a free speech issue, you'd have to admit you'd be nervous. And the cases that, that have been brought so far, the, the, just this week the legislation was upheld, and that may have been in Arkansas, I don't remember yeah, I think the, it was. which uh, state it was. But, I, but again, I say... If if a free if this if BDS on the state level goes to the Supreme Court of this country as a free speech issue, there there's plenty to be worried about, even with all the precedents. Am I right? Or well, you never know how a court case uh, goes, but uh, I think the present court probably w- would uphold the rights of states to to enact legislation against the boycott against the discriminatory measures. Um, Oh, yeah, Again, right. there are no guarantees, but I, I think it would. It, and the courts so far have been more or less supportive of it. When David Friedman, Ambassador Friedman, says that the peace plan will be out in April, I assume he means after the election, right? Says it specifically yeah. like that, so that it will not interfere with the election, right? Yeah, it, it would be dead on delivery if it if it right. if it comes now, because it'll become a political football. Uh, the the fact is that the Palestinians already have said that they're not before they even heard anything they already announced that they're not going to uh, participate and um, so it's going to be an uphill battle once it it does come out. The the uh, new international airport is open in the southern part of Israel. It is in in I, you know, I, lot, until, uh, until I saw in print that someone wrote that it's the first international airport built since the state. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. And, and it's amazing that it took this long when you think about it in retrospect. Well, people did fly in. They flew into Uvna. They flew into other places. But uh, I actually was on the plane, the first one, the commercial aircraft that landed from the United States there. Um, by coincidence, not by planning. And the the I'm ready the Jordanians are now complaining that it's too close to their border and that it infringes on their on Jordanian airspace. They didn't it's ridiculous think... because this is going to bring tourism to their side, to Aqaba as well. Mm. It's going to benefit the whole region. Um, but as you know, there are forces in Jordan that have been uh, refused to reconcile with Israel and continue to promote hostility there. And now they've, they've found this as a new cause. But the uh, the opening took place officially this week, and it's meant to, to and because tourism to uh, Eilat has in, increased a lot, There'll be direct flights from Europe, especially into a lot. So it is a very positive uh, development, especially for tourism and business there. Tell me about Israel's relationship with Chad. So Chad is a Muslim-majority country, which is the special significance, and they um, announced the resumption of diplomatic relations. Uh, the prime minister went to visit. This is his fourth visit in Africa uh, in two years. And it shows the, the the tremendous interest and the growing interest in in establishing ties, benefiting from Israeli technology, know-how, and services. And the uh, despite the pressures brought by Iran, Turkey, and others, and who are very active in Africa, and uh, both in fomenting terrorism and supporting terrorist organizations, but also in exploiting them economically and uh, trying to to establish a presence for political and other purposes. Uh, they The fact is that more and more African leaders are visiting Israel, wanting to establish relations. Uh, some even have abstained on US re- UN resolutions, or will be paying an official visit to um, two of the African countries in our uh, annual 
mission next uh, next month. And I assume you've never done that before. Am I we right? We have it to South Africa, uh, but that was you know that was a, has a large Jewish community, significant community. Uh, we also uh, uh, Morocco and Egypt are part of Africa. But sub-Saharan Africa, not to these areas. Unbelievable! That's pretty significant. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you know which countries. It's a public information yet that you're going to be going to, or not? Oh, uh, well, we we have notified the members of the conference. Right, but going. it's not, it's nothing you, have, haven't, you haven't put in the papers yet. Right, you would not discuss it publicly yet. Not yet. Um, where am I here? Oh, Mali. Tell me about Mali and the visit of the prime minister, which is upcoming to Israel. Well, again, it's another further uh, step in this direction, and one of the goals is that uh, Israel has been put up for uh, a uh, associate membership in the African Union. They were thrown wow. out, and uh, there are a number of countries that have announced that they would support it, and uh, there are more and more countries that have Israeli diplomatic presences. And uh, so each of these countries is, and, and remember that they're subjected to heavy lobbying against this, and uh, and when a country, especially those with significant Muslim populations or dominant Muslim populations, it has even more importance. But, it, it, you know, the, there was a period before the Six-Day War when African countries were very close to Israel and oh, benefited greatly from Israeli aid projects, which continued even after they broke their relations with Israel. Uh, they, they were induced by the, you know, pot of oily gold at the end of the rainbow that uh, never materialized for them. And they all say that they have so much to gain because Israeli technology is so relevant to them, to their needs, whether it's in agricultural areas, uh, hydroponics, so many uh, medical areas that, that and Israel has aid projects in many African countries. People don't know. They, you know, the, they are... Um, they are very active in, in helping develop the agricultural, getting clean water, fundamentals, let alone in education and health uh, areas. Um, a reminder, Rabbi Yudin is going to be joining us from Israel, always extra special when he addresses us on a Friday Arab Shabbos from the Holy Land. That is coming up. Malcolm, I cannot wrap up this conversation without speaking about the tunnels up north. I am confused regarding Unifil, Israeli permission to see and have Unifil inspect those tunnels. And I thought last week we said that now we know about all the tunnels. It, it seems based on the news that there might be more. Yeah, so I, God willing, will also broadcast next week from Israel. All right. Um, so we'll have an updated first-hand picture of some of these things. But yes. So the, you're absolutely right. The, the six tunnels that are known to have penetrated into Israel have been sealed and explosives and uh, you know, liquid cement poured into them so that they can't be used. There are an additional number of tunnels, maybe five, six, that uh, uh, were dug, but they haven't crossed the border into Israel. So, so there's no action being taken against them. Israel's monitoring them. And they believe that some of these tunnels were begun 10 years ago. They're very sophisticated, very uh, intense amount of effort and money put into it. Someone, again, diverting money from the people and the, and the needs of the population. And the um, uh, UNICEF uh, and UN troops are, have been barred by the Lebanese government from getting access to the tunnel. Israel is pressing them 
um, to take at least a limited role. The, by and large, they do very little and nothing. And those who have been up north, you can watch the camp and you see, you yeah. know, little trucks moving around, but hardly any outside maneuvers. And the and the infrastructure that's been built is all a violation of the UN Security Council resolution that they're supposed to be implementing. So the, now UNIFIL asked for permission at least to go to the tunnels, and Israel saying that. You have to at least work to to prevent, identify, even if you don't take the actions necessary. And um, and the Lebanese government has uh, has refused them, so it's come under criticism for that. But the tunnels uh, represent, you know, another stage in in Iran's efforts in supporting um, different means to try and put Israelis in danger. To to whether it's missiles. Uh, above ground or tunnels underground, and the infrastructure that they're building, which is why Israel carries out so many raids, because there are so many targets uh, that are associated with them. And if you allow any of this to, to take place, if you allow them to build uh, these factories for the uh, to to implant the precision guidance systems, this would hold change all of Israel's interests. You know, Israel's electricity, more than 50% comes from a half a dozen sites. Uh, and and they would so they would be vulnerable even with Iron Dome and stuff if if um, if these missiles uh, and and thousands were, were launched um, from the 150,000 that is supposedly in the hand that are supposedly in the hands of the uh, of the uh, Iranians. So the tunnels are uh, one of the means, and you think about how much they've invested because they have to drill through rock. It's not like Gaza where you're dr- you're going through sand. And these are all very advanced with communication system, electricity, et cetera, even uh, steps uh, drilled into the into the rock, uh, into the mountains. Um, and they go 80 meters down there. You know, people say, well, why don't they just see what they're doing? Because right. you don't know. And, and one of them began in a cement factory. How are you going to know from a cement factory which truck is going in for what? All right. Next week from uh, Israel, Bezrat Hashem. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak Good again Shabbos next week. Speaker. There he is. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM, and uh, next week, as he said, he'll be in the Holy Land, he'll be in Israel, which always makes this segment extra special, so make sure to be tuned in. And speaking of Israel, of course, we are excited that, again, Rabbi Yudin will address us this time about Parshas Yisro from the Holy Land, as we always say, makes it extra special for us here and for our entire audience. I do remind everybody listening that on Sunday, April the 7th, On Sunday, April the 7th, at the Atrium Ballroom up in Muncie, New York, Congregation Shomrei Torah has the uh, 50th anniversary celebration for Rabbi Benjamin and Shevi Yudin. Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn salutes 50 years of dynamic leadership at their synagogue and beyond. Uh, As we know, the Yudin's involved in so many other things in our community worldwide than just the synagogue, but what they've done in the synagogue is um, certainly... Uh, so noteworthy and worthy of a celebration. So Sunday, April the 7th, 5 p.m., Atrium Ballroom in Muncie. Salute Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin for their 50 years of dynamic leadership at Congregation Shomrei Torah and beyond the congregation as well. Save the date, everybody, and you can participate by making a reservation and by um, participating uh, in the tribute book by going to Yudin tribute.org 
Again, that's UdenTribute.org, and we hope everybody will participate. Will participate. Um, and as I said, extra special when Rabbi Yudin is in Israel, he will address us from the Holy Land in just a moment. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parshas Yisro, candle lighting here in the New York area, 444 on this Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Hi, good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And really, it's good afternoon for me. It's 20 after 3 in the afternoon. And what can I tell you? We were walking around with a sweater. I was at the Kotel this morning for davening with just a jacket. And then afterwards, just a sweater, if you really wanted it, just to make believe that it's somewhat winter still. Uh, just speaking of Tu Bishvat that we had this past Monday, just keep in mind that this is such a special land that the Department of, Dis- of Defense ordered 10 tons of fruit to be dispersed to all the IDF soldiers throughout the land so that they too should make a bracha, so they too should know that it is uh, to Bishvat and talking about trees and the land. So just know that according to the JNF, 600,000 trees were planted this past year in Eretz Yisrael. I don't have to tell you, in case anybody doesn't know it, the national bird of the state of Israel is the crane. Wherever you go, they are building, and it's so exciting. And with that building is also I'll tell you, I spent a morning in Tel Aviv on Rehov Yehuda Hanasi in a kolel. It's not just in the Mir Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. It's literally And finally, what can I tell you? That uh, my wife said we need a dozen eggs. I called my granddaughter. She was already being, quote, pushed out of the supermarket at 2 o'clock. I told you last week, everything closes. You feel the air of Shabbos. It's in the air, and people, Baruch Hashem, don't have to literally uh, get into shul out of breath, but there is that wonderful air of Shabbos feeling and environment in Eretz Yisrael. Pasha's Yisrael, what a schuss to be here for Kabbalah Torah and uh, what you have in Pashat Yisro is clearly the uh, Perikutes. Not that there's any holiness to the chapters, but just know that chapter 19 is the preparation for Kabbalah Satora, and Perikhof is the actual Aseris Adibros. Now, I'm going to tell you something very interesting. First of all, before we get started, the Kriya Satora, every Shabbos, is the Rabbanon. It's a rabbinic mitzvah. It doesn't mean it's not important, but it's a mitzvah the Rabbanon. Pasha Zoch, or the Shabbos before Purim, that's a reading de Oraisa. According to the Ramban Nachmanides, tomorrow's Kriyas HaTorah is a fulfillment of the biblical command. It's a mitzvah asay de Oraisa tomorrow to remember Maimad Har Sinai, to remember literally the fact that 
we stood at our Sinai. Now remember, at Sinai, what happened? What happened at Sinai is something that no other people on the face of this globe ever said or ever will say, and that is that Hashem communicated not just to their prophet, as we'll see in a moment, but that Hashem communicated to several million people. And indeed, that is our Dvar Torah for this morning. If you'd like, take out tonight the Chumash, easy to find, 19.9, Perek Yutes Pasuk Tes. Now, what do we have? You're going to see in a moment something nothing less than amazing, but that Kabbalah Satorah was to be initially plan A, and then it became plan B. What was to be plan A? So the Pasuk says, 19.9, God said to Moshe, I am coming to you, in the thickness of the cloud, in order that, that the people will hear when I speak to you. And as a result of that, also, you, they'll believe in you as Moshe MS, the Torah MS, Moshe, who was the transmitter of Torah to the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu, they will believe in him till this day. Pinch yourself how true it is. Moshe Rabbeinu is still there. He was the one that, as we'll see in a moment, Hashem gave the first two to B'nai Yisrael, and the rest we got from Moshe, and indeed all of the Torah. Torah tzivolon Moshe. And then the Pesach concludes, by Agade Moshe, as Devrei Ha'am, El Hashem, that Moshe told the words of the people to Hashem. Now, what's going on here? So the first part of the Pesach is very clear, that Hashem is saying to Moshe, tell them to be there at the bottom of the mountain of Sinai, and what's going to happen? They will be, quote, spectators. They will be there and hear and know exactly that God is communicating to you, and you in turn will give it over to our people. And what does Rashi say on the second half of the verse that Moshe told the words of the people to God? Says Rashi, is divreya'am tshuva. Rashi says that Moshe says to God, I heard their response. It is their desire. Hashem, they don't want to hear it from me. They want to hear it from you. In Adome, you can't compare the one who hears from the servant, which is Moshe, from the one that hears from the king himself. It is our desire, said the people, we want to see the king. We want to direct from Hashem. Well, if that's the case, continue with the Chumash open in front of you. Pasuk 10 says, if that's the case, says Hashem to Moshe, tell the people they are to prepare themselves, go to the mikvah, and wait three days. <clears throat> and on the third day, Hashem is going to what? Communicate and speak to the entire nation. Nevoah to the entire people. Now, let me just give you a little bit more fascinating background to this. We all know that there's a beautiful custom of staying awake the night of Shavuos. Why? So one reason is because we are excited and can't wait for Kabbalah Satorah. But another reason is not such a positive one, 
and that is that B'nai Yisrael overslept that night. Amazing. And Moshe had to awaken the people, say Chazal, to bring them to Har Sinai. <clears throat> now, how could that be? Picture it. You're eight years old, seven years old, you're getting your first bicycle tomorrow. And you know that you're getting it at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. The kid is up at 6, 7. The kid can't wait. Well, this was something a lot more significant than the seven-year-old on his birthday getting his bicycle. This is Klai Yisrael getting the Torah. How could they sleep? And the answer is, if you go to Baaloscha, right, in Bamidbar, and in chapter 12, there the Torah describes Hashem to Miriam and Aaron, the difference between the prophecy of all of the prophets and Moshe Rabbeinu says Hashem in chapter 12, Pasuk 6, Im Yen Viachem Hashem, Bamarech Ilovesvador, Bachalom Adaberbo. Hashem says, I spoke to all and will speak to all prophets, how? In a vision and in a dream. However, not so. Next Pasuk, Abdi Moshe, Per El Per Adaberbo. Only to Moshe, mouth to mouth, do I speak to him. So now, how is it possible for the Jewish people to sleep at the time of Kabbalah Satorah? Because they thought that they would be getting the Nevuah, the prophecy of the Ten Commandments, in their sleep, as indeed Hashem commanded Avram to get his bris milah, as indeed Hashem commanded Yitzchak in terms of Masros, as indeed Hashem commanded Yaakov regarding Giranosha. They thought they'd be getting it in their sleep. No! Moshe had to awake the people because, as the Sapurno says, Bavur Yishma'am, that the people should hear. What should they hear? They should hear Hashem speak to them at Sinai. Ponim el Ponim. Hashem spoke to each and every one of them individually. This is incredible. The same way that the first commandment says, Anochi Hashem Elokech, I am your God. Hashem Otsisicha, that took you out of Egypt. What does it mean to took you out of Egypt? Not just the Ofan Klali, that Hashem took the Jewish nation out of Egypt. He took each individual out of Egypt. Meaning that you came to the water at an Egyptian next you came to the water. Each of you had a bucket, and the Egyptian got blood, and you got water. Hashem created a miracle for you. So too at Sinai, Hashem spoke directly, but not in a dream. Ponim ponim, and therefore, and therefore now, of course they'll believe that Moshe had this kind of prophecy. They experienced this prophecy that Sapurno was worth dancing for and seeing inside. So now what emerges from this week's parsha in chapter 19, Pasuk 9, as a hakdama to Kabbalah Satorah are two very important words. Plan A was to be that they were to be spectators, and plan B was that they were actual participants in the revelation at Sinai. And I think that there is a very important message here for each and every one of us, and that is that, unfortunately, there are Jews that we can categorize as spectator Jews, 
and Jews who are actual participants. And what can I say? What a difference between. And I'm going to show in the three areas, the tripod upon which Judaism rests, the Torah, the Avodah, as found in the first chapter of Avos, so, so too. Watch. There are many Jews in Eretz Yisrael called Misoratim, traditional Jews, and many Jews in the United States and the rest of the world as well. What does that mean to be a traditional Jew? I saw my parents, I saw my grandparents have a Shabbat meal. I saw my grandmother, my mother, light Shabbos candles. Baruch Hashem, they do as well. And the last thing I am doing is knocking this kind of a Judaism. It's wonderful, but it simply is a spectator. I saw it, I do it, and okay, it's, it's part of our tradition. What's the difference between somebody who is doing it because they saw it and someone who does it because they learned Hilchos Shabbos, they learned Hilchos they learned Hilchos Kiddush, they learned Hilchos Muktza, they learned the excitement of Shabbos, of what I can do and what I can't do. That the concept of Kiheim Chayenu, the Torah is our life, for Orech Yomenu, and this is literally the significance of our life, is only attained not by a spectator Jew, it's only attained by a participant, by one who actually studies Torah themselves. And the idea is that there are Sheish Zechiro, six remembrances. And one of these six remembrances is every day that we have to remember Har Sinai. According to the Nefesh Achayim, when a Jew studies Torah, do you know who he connects with? He connects with God himself. So don't say to yourself, oh, yeah, 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 I was born too late and I wasn't there at Sinai. The answer is no, you too, each and every one of us can and must connect with Hashem directly when we study Torah. So that is the first one. And let's not forget the Gemara in Kedushan Lamed Aleph of Kol Alomed as Ben Beno Torah, whoever has the privilege of learning Torah with a grandson, Kilo Kiblo, Mehar Sinai, it's as if they received it from Sinai, whether it's the grandfather or the grandson, the idea is once again, it's connecting in a participant way and not in a spectator way. The second one is Avodah, I'll tell you a beautiful story about davening, and that is as follows, a chassid goes to his Rebbe and says to the Rebbe, Rebbe, please daven from us, and uh, the Rebbe says, fine, not a problem, it'll be a thousand rubles. A thousand rubles, a man can't afford anything more than a hundred, and he goes around collecting, and the best he can get is three hundred, and he says, ay, 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 what are we going to do? So his wife says to him, Shmuley, forget it. Let's daven ourselves. And the Rebbe said, ah, that's what I wanted. Let's not be spectator that you're going to send a donation. If donations are very important, and you're going to get somebody at Sadiq to daven for you, that's also important. But most important is that you daven yourself. Kishama Elokim is called Anar Basher Husham. Daven for yourself. That's most important. Don't be a spectator and get someone else to do it for you. And finally, the Gemara in Kedushin, excuse me, in Gitin, Nun Vav, regarding Gemilas Chasodim. So the Gemara says that there were three wealthy men at the time of the Churban Abayas, and one of them was Ben Kalba Sovua. 
Why was he called Ben Kalba Savua? Savua means satiated. He was a very wealthy man. And I quote, Shekola Nichnas Labesa, whoever went into his home, Kishuhu Ra'ev, when they were hungry, Kikelev like a dog, Yotse Kishu Savea. They would leave his home full. Now listen carefully. This man was a very wealthy man. He could have opened the soup kitchen and said, all the hungry people go to the soup kitchen. And that would be very like a spectator. It's very important to get stuck up. Okay? But what did he do? He brought the Aniyim into his home directly. He was an actual participant. He ate with them at his table. Do you know what that is? To be a participant in Gemilas Hasodim. So the excitement of this week's Parshas Yisro is not only Kabbalah Torah, that we should all reconnect ourselves and feel so privileged to be part of a people that no other people remember. Hashem spoke to two million plus at Sinai, and guess what? We can still communicate directly with Him today. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Yeah, before we get into the next song, let's uh, let's remind everybody what's going on here. J.M. A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Parshas Yistro. Everybody's invited to the Kiddush at the Mizrahi Apollo Mizrahi of the Lower East Side tomorrow. Myself and then I see the R family, even Seth Gordon, I assume, all participating as we do every year in the Parshas Yistro Kiddush. Uh, so if you're in the neighborhood, stop by. Uh, what time? Well, knowing that we're in charge of davening tomorrow, <laughs> I would say on the early side, but we'll see. <laughs> Friday morning broadcast on the Zerif Shabbos Parshas Yisro, candlelighting in New York, 444. Again, that's 444, candlelighting in New York. Um... Thirty-four degrees, mostly sunny, a high of thirty-eight. We're off to Atlanta next week. It's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta is the focus of the uh, American people next week because of the big game, Super Bowl Fifty-three, that's going to be played in Atlanta. And Atlanta's our focus with what we do, and that's focusing on Jewish communities in both Atlanta and the Southeast United States. Thank you to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thank you to the Orthodox Union. Thank you to all of you as we get set for a uh, an amazing journey, a great trip. Don't forget that um, that uh, we'll start at the Unusual of Toco Hills Monday morning, then at the Atlanta Jewish Academy Tuesday, and then Wednesday from the Beth Jacob Congregation. All right, so keep that all in mind for next week. Uh, Mayor Kay will be with us. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. They are again sponsoring the presentation of the Kosher Halftime Show. Thank you to the Rothenbergs. And again, to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, Orthodox Union, and all of our great sponsors, including the KHS 2019 commercial sponsors, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. Getting ready for an amazing week. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. Follow all the stuff that's happening. Listener Danny sent me a great text last night telling me about his... Uh, connection to Atlanta and all the people he knows there, including Sammy Kay, who's going to be joining us during the Kosher Halftime Show filming. So that was really cool. Listener Danny, I wish you were down there earlier. He'll be there, of course, for Super Bowl weekend. So a big shout-out to the Frank family. One time, the Seagulls and the Franks got to go to a sporting event together. It's got to happen. See, We'll see if that ever materializes. Oh, that's true. We did go to uh, – I went years ago to my first visit to City Field. Uh, was 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 with listener Danny. Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, 
So Atlanta next week. I remind you that our very own Matis wine guest is sitting Shiva. Uh, Mrs. Batya wine guest passed away on Wednesday night. A big thank you, by the way, to the Haverim organization, Young Men, who came yesterday in the pouring rain to be part of the service and really did an amazing job in helping us and the entire family with um, with all the shoveling that had to be done, all the hard work that had to be done in very difficult conditions, rain and mud. It was very hard. So a shout-out to them, real chesed shal emes. Matis is sitting shiva for his beloved mother who passed away on Wednesday night. He's sitting shiva in Elizabeth, New Jersey at his home. Those of you familiar with the area and with the community, uh, you'll, you could find out when Shachris and Mincha Marav are. And uh, he'll be sitting till Wednesday morning. So everybody who has an opportunity, please visit and please call. And we, should, and, we and he and the entire family should celebrate many, many smachot, wonderful occasions together uh, always. And our condolences, of course, to him and the entire family. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app this morning. Uh, one person asks for a refuah shlema for Sarachaya Bas Yocheved Eden. Sarachaya Bas Yocheved Eden. I am going to toss in a um, refuah shlema request. Uh, please keep in mind. Give me a second. I apologize. Please keep in mind. Um... Please keep in mind, Chaya Bracha Bas Devora Sara. Chaya Bracha Bas Devora Sara. And we thank you for that. Hey, look at this. Listener Morris says, Good Shabbos to all from Rome. Rome is nothing like Jerusalem. Libiba Mizrach. Morris, thanks for checking in from Rome. I love when people are on vacation, take us along and are tuned in. Thank you so much. Happy birthday to longtime listener Sandy Rosenwasser. Sandy celebrating a birthday. Sandy, spread the word. About JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, and thanks so much for listening all the time. Um, Nachum, this listener writes, oh, I know who this listener is. We're listening to your great music in the kitchen, getting ready for Shabbos here in Yerushalayim. I want to send the Mazel Tov to uh, Moshe Aryeh Katzman on his 16th birthday. Happy birthday, Moshe Aryeh, from all of us here at JM and the AM. He should merit a year of health and happiness. That comes from Yael. And uh, Aaron Katzman, and of course, Yael, is part of the Nefesh, Benefesh um, leadership responsible for so many amazing people fulfilling the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. I know that there are high school students in certain schools in this area who don't know that there is a mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. I've been told that by them too many times, unfortunately. Uh, but once you discover that there is one, Nefesh Benefesh helps you fulfill it. Simple as that. So to her and Mazel Tov to, um, to Moshe Aryeh from all of us here at JM in the AM. And to Aaron. Aaron may listen more than Yael the way you, the, the, with the reports that I get. So <laughs> 10 minutes before 9 o'clock, it's JM in the AM. <laughs> Oh, you thought this is a mail. 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 Oh, you thought this is
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. in the A.M.
Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. And that wraps up an amazing Friday Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Sunday, Avrami will be in for Matis. Live JM Sunday with Avrami. Uh, this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night. Naomi Nachman with an encore presentation of Table for Two coming up next. Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, presented by the wonderful people at Kedem, is coming up starting at 10 a.m. Harry Rothenberg's video blog on Parsha's Yisro at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Erev Shabbos music mix, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem, all happening this afternoon before candlelighting time. Make sure to be tuned in next week. Next week, it's the Young Israel of Toko Hills. It's the Atlanta Jewish Academy. It's Beth Jacob Congregation. Congregation Beth Jacob. It's the Spicy Peach. 
It's Kosher Halftime Show with Mayor Kay, brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm. It's all of our broadcasts, sponsored by the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem and the Orthodox Union. Thank you, Naftali Herman. It's everything in Atlanta, Georgia, beginning Monday morning. Make sure to join us. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.